Simon and Wayne's Spitting Review, with your hosts, Simon Jones and Wayne Bolt. Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of Spitting Review, with me, Simon Jones, and me, Wayne Bolt. And we're here today with a look at the recent release of the film Chronicle, a uh, visit to Trailer Park, and uh, a little bit of uh, a, a rant, I suppose we could say, yes. about the cinema-going experience and yes. watching movies in yes. general. An opinion piece. Yes. So, without further ado, uh, Chronicle. Yeah, this is a new superhero movie, which takes it from the kind of found footage genre, uh, in that like Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity, uh, it's all taken from cameras actually used by the characters in the film. Mm. Um, although in this case, it's done in a slightly more unique manner because due to the superhero powers, the camera is able to be freed up a bit, so it's not just people running around yeah, doing so a handheld. Like, it's like a superhero's origins film, isn't it? Yes, um, but with a bit more of a twist and kind of deconstructing superheroes in a kind of Alan moore kind of way, yeah. I guess. So it kind of takes the stuff you normally expect to happen and then shows what might happen if real people got to uh, actually get these powers and yes. most importantly I guess uh, teenagers who you know just fairly run of the mill regular teenagers with uh, no particular responsibilities and suddenly gain these enormous powers um, yeah and that's kind of where the film goes from just uh, typical high school students who then develop telekinesis and, and uh, kind of goes from there yeah pretty much it yes and uh, I, I really liked it I thought it was a really fresh look on a genre that's been very overplayed for the last few years. I mean, I really like the superhero genre, and I love superhero movies, but uh, there's an awful lot of them out there. The yeah, <laughs> they can just take your pick at them, isn't it? Yes, um, and it's, by necessity, I suppose, it's a genre that isn't often done in a kind of low-budget, indie kind of way, just because it's really hard to do that. You know, yeah. If you're doing Superman or Spider-Man, you kind of have to do it on a giant Hollywood scale, Yeah. or you just can't do it. Yeah. Um, I guess you've got things like Kick-Ass and Super, which also have kind of taken some of the classic genre stuff and then... Oh, they did a little twist to it. Yeah, or like tilted it on his head. Um, I think this kind of fits slightly into that kind of category. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I liked it. It, it. it felt like it had a whole bunch of new ideas. Um, but something, I think the thing that struck me the most is that despite being kind of more low-key and not going for the all-out kind of bombast and stuff, when it did kick off, I found it probably more satisfying than a lot of the big-budget blockbusters I've seen lately. It seemed like a more... Uh, visceral kind of representation of what would happen if two superhero characters yeah. did start fighting it, in a city. Yeah, it, it did take quite a long time to get there, though. And did you yeah. did you like the fact it took it had quite a slow build up, or was I found it just a, a bit too slow pacing? Mm-hmm. Once it kicked into a nice sort of kick ass, not that kick ass, but a nice kick ass sort of action scene, I actually quite enjoyed that and. I could see what they were trying to do with the slow build-up mm-hmm. to it to make you sort of understand where the characters are coming from. But I mean, just think the pacing was just a little bit off. Not, it didn't yeah. ruin the movie, but it was just not quite as enjoyable as I thought it, it could have been. Yeah, I think I'd probably agree with that. I mean, I think I, I liked it more than you did, probably. But I think, yeah, the pacing could either be tweaked a little bit to kind of get to it faster, or I'd actually, I wouldn't have minded a slightly longer film because there's a lot of the slow build-up and then yeah. it very quickly goes really really hyperdrive at the end yeah um it would be nice to, to have that shift be a little bit more drawn out almost yeah um but with an overall longer film where they could kind of go into it in a bit more detail and subtlety i guess yeah um, so i so saw you're a fan of these found footage uh, films and i okay I, I really think there's blair witch and cloverfield were really yep. the two yep. previous ones um, um not especially i find 
they're usually far too contrived to actually be believable because obviously the, the point of it is that they're meant to be more believable and yeah. bring you into the action a bit more with whatever's happening to the characters um, and particularly with Blair Witch that was kind of why it was meant to be so scary because yeah. you felt like you were there um, but the problem with Blair Witch is that you'd never at any point believed that they'd keep filming during what was going yeah, on yeah and there's, there's some bits in, in, in Chronicle I think where you're watching it thinking why exactly are they filming yes. absolutely everything to do with their daily lives yeah and uh, there were a lot of characters in the film filming stuff with cameras and I know it's a lot more prevalent these days than it maybe used to be yeah. but it felt like there were maybe a few too many camera obsessed people yeah. in the film um, yeah. oh, it was almost done to make the film work and you yes. think well it's a bit um, weird there's we, only we, a couple of points though because I think the fact that the main character was camera obsessed yeah. and that was a point of his character yeah. um, for the most part kind of made it work but uh, there were a few points where it kind of oh, it sort of flips, flips or something else and you think well the only reason they've got a camera is just so we can get a different, a different point of view on it yes. and, and why yeah. can't they build that into the yeah. and I think film? towards the end of the film when there's a lot of kind of news cameras and all yeah. sorts of, that worked really well yeah but then that's um, because that's just going more to just like a multi-camera uh, angle film though yeah. isn't it and then they're just using the pretense of having yeah. news cameras or police cameras or mm-hmm. whatever else just to give you different views of what's going on and in which case that just becomes like a normal superhero film yeah. and that loses I think the whole uh, fan footage stuff once you go to that once you're using many sources of fan footage it's then just a film yeah no, that's a good point um right. Yeah, it's kind of a delicate balance, I think. And that's mm-hmm. part of the problem with the fan footage thing, in that yeah. it either restricts you loads, yeah. um, or you start to break your own rules a little bit. Yeah. Even if you kind of work in justifications for it, but at that point, why are you doing a fan footage yeah. thing in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I'm, I'm standing a bit down on the film. I, I did enjoy the film. It's, it's worth seeing. Yeah. Um, I think it's full of a lot of really good ideas. Yeah. And like I said, the um, I mean, it's not really spoiling it particularly to say that there's a big showdown at the yeah. end. And I, I did think that was particularly well done. Yeah, um, I like that. Just from a conceptual point of view, because even in the Superman films, um, they've they've never managed to really show what a proper superhero fight would be like in a public yeah. area. Um, Spider-Man 2 did it okay. Yeah. But yeah, this kind of does it far better than any of those. Yeah, so they, it, they could learn a few things. It, it, so it was quite heroesy from the... Um uh, Heroes TV show, which was on a few years ago, uh, uh, you can sort of see some influences in that. Yeah, I think especially um, with, the, with Discovery of the Powers, that sort of paralleled it yeah, quite yeah. quite well. I think actually, because um, I, I quite liked the Heroes TV show at first, and it very rapidly became complete arse. <laughs> and Chronicle um, felt like how I wished that show had developed. Yeah, uh, in, in a lot of ways, um, because even while it expanded its scale, it still kind of remembered. Where it came from, yeah. If you sort of mean, whereas Heroes just went off on one and got completely ridiculous, yeah. Um, but uh, again, Chronicle only had like an hour and a half or so to fill, as opposed to yeah, um, many years of it. Um, yeah, so we just better uh, give a shout out to the actors who are in it because I yes. think they're all fairly new, aren't they? Um, so the main three actors were Dane DeHaan, who's playing Andrew Detmer, who's uh, pretty much the, uh, the the focus of the film. Uh, he's joined by Alex Russell. Uh, who plays Matt Garrity in the film, and Michael B. Jordan, who plays Steve Montgomery, and they're the ones who... who they drive yeah, the whole thing, yeah. yeah. And they do a really good job, actually. Yeah. Um, because I think that's one thing with found footage films, which is that you have to get good actors because it's much harder to hide behind yeah. I mean, the yeah, usual film. You have to sort of believe the character. I, I didn't really uh, like the, the character of Andrew Detmer, but I think that's probably what they're going for, because he's a, a bit of a bit of a sort of like loser kind of uh, kid at school. But you can sort of see where... He's half bought it on himself and half a victim of circumstance and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's very well portrayed. In fact, you sort of sometimes when you dislike the characters, if you dislike the character, 
as opposed to disliking the actor, then yeah. the actor's obviously done a very good job. Yes, exactly. I think um, the way they showed the development of his character, not to go into too many details, yeah. but it was done really nicely yeah. and it felt realistic and it didn't feel like um, they were oversimplifying the decisions he mm -hmm. made. Um, you, you could kind of see where it was coming from. Yeah, yeah. And, but you could also see sort of where it was going to go to. So. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, the whole film was full of some nice creativity, but it didn't have many surprises. Mm. It, it, I mean, it was full of cool ideas, and those were all done really well. But the, yeah. the main plot uh, yeah. wasn't that surprising. I mean, you, you could you could just strip it back to being, as I say, a, a superhero origins film, and that's pretty much what you got. Just something different. Uh, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, pretty good. I, I I'd rate it at that sort of eighty five eighty eighty to ninety percent of mm -hmm. being a, a really good film. There's just something not quite didn't quite grab you as much. Yeah, hoped, didn't quite. Quite tickle the boxes, but that's, I know you're much yeah. more keen on it. Yeah, I think if, if you're a fan of the genre in general, it's, it's well worth seeing because it, it does some stuff, not necessarily entirely new, but in a slightly different way that makes yeah. it interesting again, I yeah. guess. And uh, the director, who's Josh Trank, I believe, yes. if you can check on your handy dandy yeah. Acme supercomputer. Yeah. Um, he also helped, he also wrote it, co wrote it as well. Josh yeah. Trank uh, co wrote it with Max Landis. Yes, and. Um, they both seem to be moving on to bigger projects as well, which mm. is uh, quite exciting because I doubt Chronicles are particularly big budgeted film, and if they can pull off some of the stuff they did in that, and then go on to kind of maybe more traditional superhero projects, even they'd bring a breath of fresh air to them, hopefully. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, uh, uh, a pretty good effort. Yeah. So um, yeah, if you're, I mean, if you're a fan of superhero films, I think you'll, you'll enjoy this. Yeah. And actually, one thing I would say is that a lot of found footage films work better on TV because the video-y nature of them means you might as well watch on TV, and actually stuff like The Blair Witch Project is probably more effective on a TV. So, so what you're saying is, watch this when it comes out at home. Well, Which I'm not, we'll, actually. We'll come on to later. Yes, <laughs> but I'm actually not in this case, because it's it's probably the only found footage film that is actually really cinematic as well. Okay. Um, certainly towards the end. Cool. Right, okay, so that's that. We could go on about that for a lot more, but I think we'll, we'll stop there. So we'll now head over to the trailer park, uh, where we go to the IMDb... Uh, website and look at the most recent uh, HD trailers as well. Paul, and this is why. Yes, if you want to watch along with us. Yeah. Uh, now, as you might remember from last episode, where we had a particularly terrible selection, so we're kind of approaching it with a slight trepidation this time. Yeah. But um, happy to say it's a more interesting selection. Yep. Yeah, so we'll kick off with the first one, which is Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Uh, this is a film starring Steve Carell and Kira Knightley. Um, set in the Earth where Matilda, a huge uh, asteroid, is hurting towards the planet uh, and is going to wipe everyone out in the next three weeks. Yeah, it's, it's Armageddon, the quirky character comedy, Yeah, essentially. Um, and I kind of like the look of it. Um, a lot of it... A lot of the trailers we criticise where it's meant to be about people finding out truths about their life and stuff, uh, we tend to be quite down on them. Um, Quite often because it all just feels a bit obvious, yeah. and that people don't actually really go on these big rites of passage type things. Uh -huh. Whereas the setting for this, to me, made it feel like it kind of made sense yeah. in a way. Giving it this sci-fi uh, reasoning meant that all the other stuff, I could, I felt yeah. like I could get on with it. A bit so more. what was the betting though? Uh, after you've just seen like two minutes of the trailer, that the meteorite is going to miss the Earth. Yeah, yeah. yeah so absolutely. All, uh, ev all, everything which people then do uh, is going to come home to roost. Yeah. Yeah, pretty um, much. I, I really hope it does hit. If it does hit and everyone dies at the end, that'd be brilliant. That'd be really cool. That'd be brilliant. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there was some funny moments in the trailer. Yep. It had a nice sort of deadpan style yep. to it. 
The, the, the only thing I, I, I'm not so keen on about it is the fact it just looks like Steve Carell's was playing himself in there. Steve Carell's a very good uh, comic actor, and I just hope he, he's not just being asked to be Steve Carell. Yes. But that's yes. Plenty of character. I mean, as similar to our um, our little rant about Simon Pegg last week, yeah, or a couple of weeks ago, yeah, where um, too often they're kind Golden of Mission Impossible. Yes, yeah. where they're too often um, just doing what they always do, whereas yeah. actually we know that they're capable of doing more interesting stuff. Yeah. But, anyway, yeah. so. Um, Gertie than that one? Uh, smiley face, actually. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I'm sort of ambivalent towards mm. Smiley. Um, I thought the trailer did a good job. Um, not, you know, the, the film, it remains to be seen, but trailer, happy, yeah. kind of so, intrigued. Not too bad. Yeah. Better than a lot of yeah. ones we've had recently. Yeah, good right. start. Next one, The Bourne Legacy. So this is a, a Bourne film, but they couldn't get Paul Greengrass on board. Or which Matt meant Damon. Matt Damon wouldn't come on board. Matt Damon's not ruled out doing another Bourne film, but only if Greengrass is directing. Hmm. So... Um, yeah, when you watch watch the trailer, it's 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 a Bourne film, but it's not Bourne. Uh, but they're keeping the Bourne name to it, obviously, because that's the easy marketing ploy to go with it. And it just looks like a, a box ticking exercise of how to make a Bourne film. Mm. Um, one thing I I kind of like just conceptually about it is that they're continuing a franchise without rebooting it. Yeah, they're they've, re- they've you know they've not recast it, but they've got a new yeah. actor in to keep doing the same kind of thing. Yeah, but in continuity with the story yeah. and for fans of the series that must be a good thing yeah now I, I was a bit um, a bit meh about it when I first saw it um, and normally I watch the trailers just before we do the recording but I watched them a bit earlier today and over the course of the afternoon I sort of changed my mind about the trailer because um, I was sort of a bit annoyed to start with at the fact oh it's a Bourne film but it's not a Bourne film because it's not got Bourne in it I think you know it's just another Hollywood cash in but then he started to think back to like Bond, because Bond's had many mm-hmm. uh, replacement uh, actors. Uh, and it's the same sort of thing. I know like, there's different agents and stuff, but I- I'm not quite so upset about it now. And I've had a sort of chance to let it sort of filter through. And, mm-hmm. and so um, I quite like the Bourne films. Um, and it, if it sort of keeps up with what they've done before, I mean, it's, it's directed by Tony Gilroy, uh, who I think was the screenwriter for one, one, at least one of the previous Bourne films. Really? So let's yeah, hope there'll be that continuity uh, in, in in the way the film's done. Um, so yeah, so with no Matt Damon, it's got Jeremy Renner in it instead. And I believe Rachel Weisz is in it. Really? It's Ed Norton. Yes, yeah, so I was quite surprised when Ed Norton appeared in the trailer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's always worth watching. And Jeremy Renner, I'm becoming increasingly a fan of. Actually, everything I've seen him in so far, he's been excellent. Yeah, what else has he done? Uh, well, he was in. Um, he's playing Hawkeye in the Avengers, and we kind of glimpsed him in Thor, uh, Mission Impossible Four. He was in, and The Hurt Locker. That's the name of the film. I'm oh, trying right, to think okay. of. Well done. Yes, uh, which was <laughs> kind of his, his breakout role. Right. Okay. Um, so put uh, him on the spot yeah. there. Yeah, uh, Gertie for that one. Um, Kind of an ambivalent face because the trailer is fairly restrained and not being a Bourne fan, it didn't do anything yeah. to convince me to be one. Yeah, I've gone from probably a sad face to an ambivalent face over the course of the afternoon. So mm-hmm. and there we go. That's that one. Yeah. Right by tomorrow morning, you might love it. Yeah, I might do. Right next, uh, a particular highlight for me. Uh, this is the first time an asylum movie has made yep. an appearance in the trailer park. Uh, surprisingly, this is going straight to DVD. Really? Yeah. Oh. Um, this is a film uh, as directed by Christopher Ray. Uh, is starring Carmen Electra, Charlie O'Connell and Brooke Hogan who's the daughter of Hulk Hogan in the film <laughs> Two-Headed Shark Attack <laughs> yes um, I don't really know what more to say what's it's, it about? it's an asylum film <laughs> called Two-Headed Shark Attack yes I think it just writes itself um, <laughs> yeah I, I was amused to see it on the, the general IMDb trailer yeah, yeah I was really really surprised by that um, for those of you who can't 
piece together uh, what this is about. Uh, it's another one of these where you get beautiful young American people go to a beach uh, and they get attacked and eaten by a two-headed shark. There's <laughs> not really much That's more about it, really, to say about it than that. The thing um, I'm always amazed about with shark movies is... There's never been a two-headed one before. <laughs> well, yeah, I have always wondered that, yeah. and I'm glad they're finally doing it. <laughs> but the main thing is, in shark movies, it's amazing how often they get into the water. Because yeah. the thing about sharks, right... They're not that good on land. Yeah, if you <laughs> stay on the land, you're okay. Yeah. And yet, shark movies, people are always going in the water. Yeah. What's that about? Um, well, it'd be a bit of a boring film otherwise, wouldn't it? It'd well, yeah, cool. fair enough. Look like, at the shark. In Jaws, it made sense, because people hadn't seen Jaws by then. Yeah. So, you know, that's understandable. But after yeah. that, they should have seen that movie and, and knew what was going yeah. on. So if you are the sort of person out there who loves getting into the water when there are killer sharks, um, possibly more than one, two, or even three heads, then let us know. Yeah, with, with the two-headed shark in this film, is it two heads at the front or is it just both ends? I think it's two heads at the front. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. That'd be quite funny. Because there is the, in the trailer. I don't know if you saw the in Jaws. There's that iconic scene where you get the shark coming up and there's someone swimming and you see the legs uh, down yes. low. In the trailer for this one, you see two people uh, in <laughs> that uh, <laughs> legs dangling in the water, kind of thing, yeah. and they're both going to get eaten. Um, yeah, so there we go. Uh, Gertie's at that one. Uh, well. I've got to give the trailer a smiley face yeah. because it was just so ridiculous, but the film's going to be shockingly terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving it a smiley face, and undoubtedly I'll end up seeing this. <laughs> the, the only question remains to be whether I buy it or whether I wait for it to appear on the sci-fi yeah. channel. Um, one thing, I will, just before we move on to the next trailer, though, just be aware as to the sort of films Asylum are making, the Asylum are making, because one of their more recent ones... Um, uh, Mega Python versus Gatoroid. Yes. Right. That was all about um, the Everglades being completely stuffed due to some pythons getting a bit sort of a bit big and ruining the uh, uh, bioculture kind of thing over there. It's a true story. That's started happening. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was it's reading. Been, it's been on the news recently. Um, so let's keep an eye out for two-headed sharks. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they're just profits. Yep. Right, so um, changing completely the uh, the tone of the trailers, yes. uh, a film called Room in Rome. Now this is an Italian uh, film, but shot in what well, recorded in English. Yeah, although it seems to be with Italian actresses, yeah. but it's all speaking English all the yeah. way through, which is very weird. Yeah. So it's directed by Julio Medem. Good pronunciation. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that's how you pronounce it. Uh, and starring Alina Agnella, Natasha Yaravenko, and Enrico Loverso. <laughs> Nicely make done. that what you will. Nicely done. Um, so, oh, how to summarise this film? Really, it's um, it's basically a high class porn film. That's what I. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, putting the trailer together for this must have been really hard. Just finding That's clips. Where, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Finding clips uh, that you could put into it into a trailer. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's essentially the story is two women meet up in Rome and get very friendly. Yes, and, and, very. and one be- becomes a lesbian, having never. Uh, experienced that way before yep. uh, and then the trailer gives it away in that halfway through you find out she's actually getting married to a man yeah, yeah. Um, but will she oh well exactly there's <laughs> only um, one way to find out <laughs> yeah um, so Room in Rome I don't think we can say much more really um, if we want to keep our vague PG rating on the podcast yes. uh, yeah I was, I was just slightly perplexed by the whole thing yeah um, uh, one, one thing I will say is that the, the trailer I mean, like you're saying, it appears to be a high-class porn film. Yeah. Simply because the trailer didn't really do anything to expand beyond just two women frolicking about in a bedroom. Yeah. There wasn't, there wasn't any indication of anything else happening in the film. Yeah, okay. So, so Gertie for that one. Um, well, my wife doesn't listen to it, so I'll give it a smiley face. <laughs> yeah, a smiley face for me as well. <laughs> but, yeah, a, s- a smiley face with, with a slight quizzical eyebrow. Yeah. Okay, and that brings us on to the fifth uh, film, uh, Decoy Bride. 
Well, as you say, Decoy Bridge would have been better. Yes, that's a slight typo there. So this is a, this is a British comedy film. Um, well, I say comedy. <laughs> um, directed by Sharif Folkson, and it's written by Sally Phillips, who's one of those sort of well-known British comedy actresses. Um, doesn't has not really done a lot of main stuff, but was in um, hangs around with the Simon Pegg crew and appears in that sort of thing quite okay. a lot. Um, I can't think of that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, so this is starring Kelly McDonald, who uh, I believe was one of the Ravenclaws in the last Harry Potter film. Oh, well, right. Either the actual Rowena or whatever. Okay. Um, Alice Eve, never heard of. And David Tennant, um, well-known something. British actor. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this film is set on a remote Scottish island, uh, and it's about a local girl who meets a big movie star, and she has to be a decoy bride, because again, there's a marriage and stuff going on, but the press find out in probably one of the worst, most terrible trailers I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I, it, it just awful. What they've done is they've completely gone with that, trying to take that quirky British romantic comedy kind of thing, but they've completely schmucked it up in an American trailer kind of way. I'd love to see yeah. if there's a British-made trailer for it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because I think I might have mentioned it before, in that of all the voiceover men, the rom-com voiceover man is the worst. Yeah. Because at least the action voiceover man seems to have a slight sense of humour as he does it. Yeah. Uh, the rom-com voiceover man, he just feels like he's patronising you all the way yeah. through the trailer. It's yeah. so incredibly as aggravating. As soon as it starts. Uh, it, oh, yeah, very, very aggravating, very annoying. Yes. Um, and I, it made me hate the trailer so much, I think uh, that's now leeching into hating the movie. I've not <laughs> even seen the movie. Yeah, as you say, I'd love to see um, a trailer aimed at European markets more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, it's a sad face for the trailer, just because it it turned it into such a generic kind of American rom com trailer. Yeah, it's um, terrible. Absolutely but the, terrible. there might be a, a nice little film behind it. Well, it might be. It's got quite a cast of uh, of well known British comedy actors like yes. Dylan Moran's in it. Yeah, um, yep. and there's yeah, it's, it's got the kind of cast that they don't tend to be in that much, and you get the feeling that when they are in stuff, it's because they actually kind of like the material. Yeah, you know? um, which sort of gives me hope. So. The, the film um, I'm okay with. I'm going to you know, see what happens with that uh, in spite of the trailer. But yeah, the trailer yeah. was irritating. Yeah. So uh, no surprises there. Sad face. So before we move on to our final uh, segment, we just need to pick our uh, pick of the trailers. So of all those, Simon, uh, which would be the film you most want to see? I'd probably go for... I have to remind me of the title, Searching for a Friend at the End of the World, something like that. Yeah, Seeking a Friend from the End of the World. Yeah. That's the one, yes. Yeah, so I, I, I quite like the look of that. Yeah. I have to say... Uh, You're going to do say, it, aren't you? I had two-headed shark attack, <laughs> I think, for me. Um, just because it's two-headed shark attack and it looks awesome. Yeah. Um, so like, oh, before we go on to the last... Um, uh, the last one, yeah. Um, can I just mention, a special mention here, for Iron Sky... Uh, mm-hmm. which is a film coming out this year uh, it's all about Nazis who are returning from the moon um, check it out online it looks absolutely amazing yes and completely mental yep yeah. so that's that um, so that brings us now to our final um, part of this week's show yes, which was slightly unscheduled we just planned you know Trailer Park review of Chronicle that'll, that'll do um, but the movie going experience we had today of seeing Chronicle uh, made us decide to do an opinion piece yes um, mainly about the movie-going experience, um, with spe- specifically going to the cinema. Yes. Now, it, it, prices are going up. 
that's just one of those things. So now it's now eight pounds to go, unless you're lucky enough to go on like an Orange Wednesday, which yes. is two for one. And bearing in mind that we're in Norfolk, which yep. isn't a massively expensive part of the UK. Yep. If you're in London, it's even more ridiculously yep. priced. And um, yeah, you expect to. Well, I expect to go there to see a few trailers and then sort of get into the film. You know, you're normally about 15, 20 minutes now preamble before the film starts, which is actually quite handy, as it means you don't have to get there bang on time. And we, at one point, got uh, the timing down to a T, where we'd miss all the adverts, yep. arrive for the trailers and... Um, Sit down, film starts. Yeah, perfect. Uh, that was really cool. But in the past couple of times, we've sort of been on time. <laughs> yeah, dear, dear. what were you thinking? Um, yeah, so today, uh, before the film started, we had an extended selection of scenes from the forthcoming film this is war this means war this, this means war I yeah. think yes which is it's one of those uh, rom-coms that attempts to appeal to male and female yeah. viewers by taking a traditional rom-com where it's like a, a girl and there's two guys that are interested in her but they're spies yeah it's sort of in the same vein as Mr. and Mrs. Smith uh, yes, which, which I kind of liked actually and Angela Jones, quite fun. It? Yeah. Um, however we're not really complaining about that itself but the fact that we turned up to watch a film and watch some trailers and then we get like five minutes at least I think it was probably a good sort of ten minutes yeah um, or five ten minutes of just seeing some of a film hmm. uh, and not in any particular context it's not really uh, you can sort of imagine it if this was like an Avengers thing or another superhero piece mm-hmm. where you it's a superhero film, so... Yeah, well, I think in the States, they've they've had sort of the opening ten minutes from Dark Knight Rises in front of... Possibly even Chronicle, I'm not sure. Um, but, well, you know, that... I would have been all right. That makes sense. <laughs> um, However... But even then, I think... Because with that example, they've it's the first six minutes of the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. And it, and it stops, so yeah. it presumably works quite nicely yeah. as a teaser. Not, with, with this, they, t- they took maybe three scenes. I think they cut them down from the actual proper scenes and then just sort of mashed them end to end. Yeah. Um, which, if you're not interested in the film, you have to sit there for ten minutes watching something you don't want to watch. Yep. If you are interested in the film, it's ruining the film for you yep. because it's all out of context and rubbish. And if you didn't know anything about the film, it's just yeah. So, so why, why are they doing this? They're uh, using the you got a captive audience, so let's show off a film they're doing. I think they've probably done some test audiences, and it's just not selling. So they're now just trying to force it down people's throats. I don't want to see scenes from the film. I don't mind trailers because it gives you. Yeah, I quite like trailers. Yes, yeah, it helps to. Give an idea as to, what, as to what's coming up and what yeah. to look forward to. But trailers are specifically two minutes-ish yeah. long for a reason. Yeah. Um, you don't just show a whole load of... You know, the trailer is what gives the clips from the film context because yes. you, you re-edit them into like a mini-trailer story yeah. or whatever. Um, by just taking scenes and just kind of, you know, those scenes yeah. in the movie happen at particular points in the movie because that's what the story is. Yeah. You can't take them out of context like that. Yeah. And, and this is also now... It's just like an extended advert and this is now akin to now you start watching Blu-rays and you go out and you pay... What, 10, 15, 20 quid for a Blu-ray. Don't put adverts on it. I can't skip through before I can start watching the film. Yes. Because I've gone out and I've given you my money so I can watch the film how I want to. Uh, but you're going to force me to watch adverts for something which in two years' time is probably going to be um, obsolete anyway. Yeah, the, the other time I encountered this bizarre extended preview thing was when I went to see Fast and the Furious 5 or Fast 5 or whatever it was called last mm-hmm. year, which I quite enjoyed. And before that, they had a sort of 10-minute preview of Bridesmaids. That was even stranger because, yeah. at least with this, there were, you know, it was some vague cross appeal. But with that, you've got this uh, rom com aimed very much at women. Yeah. And Fast Five, which is the exact opposite. Yeah. Um, it made no sense. And everyone in the cinema sat there going, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, what, what this is doing is, is 
um, combination of you're being forced to watch bits and films that you want to see, you're being forced to watch adverts. It yeah. sort of drives, while paying more yeah, than you ever have. Yeah. It sort of drives one to think maybe staying at home and downloading it is a more sensible option. Mm-hmm. Now Hollywood sort it out. Yes, um, well, I don't want to have to go and pirate stuff to watch stuff in at the manner I want. So I don't want to be force-fed your rubbish beforehand. Trailers, yes. Extended scenes, no. Yeah. Um, anything that makes the paid-for experience worse than the dodgy pirated experience yep. is is really bad business practice. Um, yep. The games industry is slowly waking up to this, and you get to see a lot of developers who actually make a big point that they're not putting DRM on their games. Yep. And, you know, basically, if you buy it, you get as good an experience as if you pirate yep. it. So support the developer, buy the thing. Yep. Um, you know, I work for a software company, and that's DRM and that kind of stuff is something we debate all the time yeah. about you know getting the right level of it. But movies and the cinema in particular, because cinema always feels like it's under threat from home home cinema, and it really is because if it starts layering on all this rubbish at the start, yeah, um, it, it just reduces the experience. Yeah, and also you got the guarantee at home you're not going to have people sitting around. We were quite lucky today actually. As one thing with the film, once the film started, the audience settled down, which was good. You know, I don't mind yeah. people talking and muttering in the trailers and before the film starts, but it's, there's always that. Tension, tension of what you're going to get. Yes. Are they going to be watching the film? But luckily they were, so at least that part of it was alright. But at least when you're watching stuff at home, you know, uh, either you can tell the people you're with to shut up, because you, you obviously <laughs> yeah. know them. And you're getting not, your you, friends. Yeah, you're not lightning it punch in the <laughs> face. Um, or you just know you're going to be sitting in a comfortable seat, and not one where the springs have gone, mm-hmm. um, with popcorn-y smells all over the show, and that sort of thing. It's just, yeah. you know, you want us to go to the cinema, so make it worth more while. Yes, and also don't take the piss with your popcorn and drinks and stuff. If you want to sell stuff like that, that's fine, yeah. but don't make it cost the same as a ticket. Yeah, it's completely it's completely ridiculous. Yeah. Cinemas seem to be increasingly forgetting what they're meant to be doing, which is providing a cool movie going experience, yeah. and the, it's all the stuff they're kind of surrounding that with, which yeah. is spoiling it a lot. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so and just to be clear, we went to the View Cinema in Norwich, so they're the guilty culprits. But I imagine all the big chains are doing this. Yes. So. um that's that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Yes, and uh, yeah, next week we'll uh, try not to rant so much. Yeah, well, we had to do it today because it just it just annoyed us. Yes, but we indeed. kept it to a minimum. We have anyway. Um, we're yes. waffling now. Yes, so, indeed. Hopefully, next week or next episode, we will be taking a look at the new Muppets movie, Oy. which will hopefully put us in better moods. So, yes. thank you for listening. Yes, goodbye. Goodbye. If you'd like to contact us, you can email Simon and Wayne at spifferingreview.com, follow us on Twitter at spifferingreview, or visit our website at spifferingreview.com. Spiffering Review is an It's a Trap production.